0: Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now.
1: Hello, everybody. It is my great pleasure to uh, welcome Star Talk Live to the show, to AwesomeCon. Ladies and gentlemen, let me bring on your host. One of America's great science educators and communicators, Bill Nye, the science guy!
2: Woo, Eugene, Hello. Eugene, guy hug! Hello! Yes, good to see you. Welcome. Greetings! Woo. Wow, look at you guys! Greetings, greetings! I imagine this is not the first time you've heard this this weekend. This is awesome! So speaking of awesome, should we introduce our guests? Let's do it. We'll start out. Where should we start? We'll start over here. The most uh, hilarious uh, woman ever, uh, and you know her by her uh, Twitter handle at King Firestorm. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Firestone. Hello. 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 Next in this corner or this chair uh, from the uh, Astrobiology Institute, you know him by his Twitter handle, Dr. Funky Spoon. David Greenspoon. David, David, David. Hello. Good to see you, sir. Yes. Good to see you too. Uh, then in this corner, which uh, is a chair. And uh, the, I'd give you his Twitter handle, but he said, no, just just Google him. Hari Kundabalu.
1: <laughs> Welcome.
2: <laughs> Hari Kundabalu. And then lastly, everybody. Somebody who's, who really works in the business full time. Uh, the second in command at NASA. Uh, the deputy administrator, Dr. Dave Newman. Give it up. Here she is.
3: Hi, guys. Thank you, sir. Do Thank this. you. yes.
2: we oh. messed up our microphones. Look at that. There it is. Now, oh, please, everybody, please sit down. Are there any questions on what we've covered so far? No. We're at Awesome Con. This is superhero time. And on stage here with me, I claim are the superheroes of space exploration. So, so for me, what I'm hoping for is to have superpowers, right? Now, what do you guys want in superpowers? Main thing for me, I want to be able to fly. And then the next thing down that list for me is to be able to have extraordinary vision.
1: What's, what would me. extraordinary vision, <laughs> like how far, see far
2: Well, I'd far like to see, see other planets. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I'd like to have vision that would find life and stuff like that. So to get this started, Dr. Uh, Newman, you are an expert in aerospace and biomedical engineering. Yes. Your research studies include advanced spacesuit design and dynamics and control of astronaut motion, which is not trivial when you're in zero-G. Right, or Mars. Tricky. Or Mars. Tricky, uh-huh. And uh, you're the director of MIT's technology and policy program. Well, On
3: leave to serve NASA.
2: And as well as your deputy director at NASA. Now, Dr. Uh, Greenspoon. Sir. You're of course, you're regular here on Star Talk. That's why you're beloved. And,
4: oh my! And you are.
2: I presume you are Funky, and you're good with a spoon, and that's why you're. I do doctor, my best. Yeah, you're Doctor Funky Spoon. But right now, you're the senior scientist at the Planetary Science Institute, right? Which is like an amorphous thing. It's it's,
4: it's distributed.
2: Distributed, because yeah. it's the modern world in which we now live. And you're a co-investigator on Mars Curiosity Rover, right? And stuff like that. This is right. So uh, here's the thing, you guys. I want to just ask you to start with, because we're at Awesome Con. What would be your favorite, let's see, we'll start with David. What would be your favorite superhero? So I'm going to combine a few. So it's Elastigirl. Well, you, what, you can do that?
3: Yeah, I'm going to do it. It's Elastigirl with Spider-Man, because the suit is cool. We came up with it first, you know, for a suit for Mars. And I like to fly, too. So Batman. So Elastigirl, Spider, Bat- Girl, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. That's what I'm going
1: with. Cool. And uh, Batman well, he just doesn't, doesn't really him. fly as much as he falls incredibly well.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he doesn't ever, seldom what, gets hurt.
5: What was Elastic Girl's? Yeah. I'm not familiar. Elastic Girl was just kind of bendy, or what was her thing super
3: bendy, cool, yeah. super bendy around. Yeah, nothing got in her way.
5: What and was fast. The, what, what was the difference between her and say Gumby? <laughs> mm.
1: Gumby, I think, is more Christian.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> and green,
3: right? She's she's red. She's kind of more reddish. Oh, so okay. Gumby's
2: green, and she's red. Right. There. Okay. Just start with that.
5: Just start sure. with that.
2: <laughs> but seriously, you made a, you made an allusion to spacesuits that are resemble superhero costumes.
3: There you go. But the the technology came first, I think. Yeah.
2: The technology came first.
3: Grove, I think so. We've been working on the technology for a long
2: time. What technology are you talking about?
3: Advanced spacesuit design has to be you know lightweight, mobile, flexible. We're going to Mars. Did you hear? We're going to uh, become yes,
2: interplanetary. We're, so. we're going to Mars. Not, you guys, we're not going to Mars during... Uh,
1: this uh, Surprise, we're off. going to Mars. <laughs> Pick a partner. <laughs> I hope you're with someone you love. <laughs> Strap in. <laughs>
5: well, What are we doing in Mars? What are we doing? We're setting up yeah. shop, or what's happening there? Well, we're already there. We've been there for the last 50 years right. with orbiters and landers, and the next 50
3: years are even cooler. We're going with people. So first we're going out space station that's in low earth orbit phase 1 we've been doing this for 16 years together with the world then we move out to earth moon in all the 2020s and our rovers are still hanging out doing mars we have these great experiments we keep popping off the robotic missions to mars and then boom boots on mars with people
5: in the 2030s this like stuff stuff will be there
1: what's the year that you think that there'll be boots with people inside the boots
5: people inside
3: the
1: boots in the because 2030s in the 2030s but
5: it's
3: the 2030s and it's probably not all of us but it's my mars the mars generation it's nice. is, is teenagers, teenagers so, today.
6: Is there going to be commercial, like, flights to Mars? Is that the plan? Sure.
3: When does well, that start? government and commercial. So it's public-private partnership.
1: Uh-huh. And
5: it's the world, too. I is heard it? Southwest is doing specials.
1: <laughs> I can't wait till there's some weird line where you have to get into to get a Mars. <laughs> <to> get <your laughs> special TSA. Great Southwest joke. Terrible.
4: Watch out, watch out for the baggage charges. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Before
2: we go too far along, David, you have a favorite superhero?
4: Yeah, uh, I guess my favorite superhero is uh, Planet Girl slash Planet Boy, because... Planet Girl? Slash Planet Boy, because she's she's transgender and interplanetary. And she's got spectrometer eyes, multi-wavelength imaging spectrometer eyes, and she's got ion drives on her toes. So she can go in orbit around any planet and image just about anything you would want to.
2: Uh, Dr. Newman, you are the second in command really? at NASA. That's like a superpower.
3: It is super cool. I have the best job in the world. Maybe the second best. I think it's the best job in the world.
1: Can you, you ever go like, get out of here, go to outer space? <laughs> uh, a little. Not out loud. Uh,
2: because not if you loud. did, it would cost a lot of money. Just to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Uh, so... So when you say journey to Mars, we spell that J2M?
3: I like that, that's a good acronym, Is that right? J2M. That's my shorthand for it.
2: And so uh, uh, in order to make the journey to Mars, let me ask you a couple things. What do we need to do? We
3: need a big rocket. So we're designing and developing, And uh, this is real. Our space launch system is well under development.
1: How long will it take to travel from Earth to Mars? So,
3: you know, round trips, about eight months to get there, but just think of it as about a two-year round trip in transit. Hopefully we say 600 days on the surface of Mars exploring.
2: Now, when you wow. say 600 days, 600 Earth days, 600 sols.
3: Yeah, that's, a, that's debatable. Uh, let's say 600 Earth days since we're kind of counting in Earth days right now.
1: And 600 Earth days is also just 600 days.
2: I think anybody who's ever seen the movie 2001 Space Odyssey would say, that is awesome. And the reason, part of the reason it was awesome, it was spinning, right? The space station is spinning, creating some artificial gravity. But uh, right now, the proposal is to punch it and go to Mars fast enough, exercise enough on the way, and take the right medications to preserve bones, See right? Can
3: preserve muscles and bones. Musculoskeletal, the bone, uh, we lose, uh, typically you lose 1% to 2% bone mineral density per month. Here on Earth, that's per decade. But maybe we have some small, you can do small short arm centrifugation that fits in the craft. That's a really interesting concept, you know, like a spin in the gym, you know? Imagine instead of the elliptical, it's a... Could be a spinning thing, it's so spinning we're still can... you know playing yeah, around with the concept. You would be in a
1: spinning thing, and you, and it would.
3: Well, say the spacecraft, you know, yeah. you know, you know two thousand and one. That was fantastic. Engineers love it, but that's expensive when you have a two-kilometer radius, right? Tell me right. about it. Yeah. So let's do a smaller one because yeah. you know we have like great one budget, but, but we could spin oh, oh, inside. Hold oh,
2: just, just a second, David. Just a normal blank. What a normal what?
3: A normal spacecraft. Normal Mars spacecraft. A size normal and shape. Mars
2: spacecraft.
3: <laughs> that's what yeah. I think about every day. Every day and then we could have little, shelf. think of like little spinning beds inside, see? That's yeah. cool, that's still artificial gravity, but within the constraints of a normal Mars spacecraft.
2: So let's say that problem is solved. What is the biggest challenge?
3: The biggest challenge for getting people to uh, become interplanetary, because we will become interplanetary, I hope sooner than later, that's what I'm working on. Biggest challenge is the will. Biggest the challenge will, is the will. To
2: do
3: it. We have to focus, just deciding yes, biggest challenge is just saying yes and getting, all of you, getting all the people behind it say that, first answer why, why are we going? They're the enduring questions. Are we alone in the universe? Is there life? Has there been past life? That's the why. Biggest challenge is just say, let's just say yes and so, stay the course and don't get you know, derailed and just focus, focus,
5: focus, and then we get there.
2: So just that's hope. the biggest challenge, yes, well, that's the biggest, give it, give it no.
5: up. Who's saying no to this? Like people it, that are afraid of aliens? It's not no. It's just you know apathy.
3: Who oh. gets to
6: who gets to own Mars? Like is oh, it, this, that,
3: it has to be global. I mean, at NASA we're saying here's our plan. Here's what we want to lead. We have all of our elements. You know, heavy lift launch, the Ryan capsule on top. We get out, and then we're saying, world, come with us.
6: Even
1: and, Estonia. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Estonia,
3: too. yes.
6: But it's sure, I'm not so Who, wants to, who yep. wants to
3: join? It's but, global. But it's global it exploration. you
6: like, that better risk because that's the way like, colonialism worked before. Like all these different countries were going to a land and claiming it. So won't that just happen again with like different no, companies got, and we, different we, like?
3: You know, you think we, maybe we can get it right this time. Um, ult- ultimately, you know? the so Martians treaties? will
6: probably own Mars. Yeah, but we're going to kill them off. I discussed this earlier. We're, I... a... we're going to become the Martians <laughs> when, we're
1: colonizing. It could be really When we go there, we'll be the Martians.
5: Sorry, really quickly. Yeah. We're talking about Martians in this scientific form. They're real. What's happening? <laughs>
3: well, okay. Earth and Mars... 4.5 billion years, sister planets. Beautiful, wonderful. And we think, because we have a lot of scientific data now, Mars, 3.5 billion years ago, is probably wet, wonderful, maybe a little wild.
2: Back in the day.
3: Back in the day, 3.5 billion. Like Costa Rica? And something, <laughs>
1: something like a little probably like Costa Rica? Went, <laughs>
3: maybe, could, yeah, Costa Rica. And yes. then something, something might have gone terribly wrong. Well, what went terribly wrong? We'd Too leave. many
1: parties. <laughs> Too
3: many parties. We'd like to figure that out because that tells us a lot, again, about Earth, about Plura spaceship Vida. Earth. And so if there's past life, it's probably kind of fossilized and you know, that's what we're looking for, past life probably.
2: So a couple things though, literally, Uh, there is a space treaty from 1967.
1: Signed by John Lennon. uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) The wording of it is a little bit vague of the space treaty kind of deliberately because it talks about going to the moon and other celestial bodies like people, the Mars was a long way away. Nevertheless, Mars is getting to be within reach. It's getting to be a reasonable thing that people might do. And if we, we can really do this, I just, my opinion, which as you know is uh, correct, <laughs> is that it's just not so easy to get to Mars. It's just not, it's not like these guys came. hard. They came from Europe. And they went across North America, they came from Europe, they went to South Africa, and they, they started uh, eating things and setting up tents and stuff. But on Mars, it's a much more difficult deal.
4: Well, there's also a big difference, which is that there were people here uh, when Europeans got here, and they weren't always recognized as people, and that caused a lot of problems. It seems as though there are no people on Mars, so the setup is inherently different.
2: But what about... What, what about the uh, protecting, the role, let's say, the uh, objective to protect Martian life if it's found? You know, yeah, Carl, well, that's so we you have,
4: one of our big scientific objectives now, of course, is to find out if there is Martian life so that we don't inadvertently do something really stupid to it. it.
2: So that along that line, we're sending robots, right? By yeah. robots, oh, we mean seeing. spacecraft that land, drive around, cool tires, and uh, to look for things. But what... It, how do we know that those things are sterile, those robots have been made clean enough to land there without contaminating the Martian life when we see well,
3: it? Well, we work on it. We take it serious. That's, you know, planetary protection. And we think about forward protection. We bring life. We're looking for life on Mars. Well, we sure won't, don't want it to be our life. So we right. do that. And back contamination. So forward contamination. So it has to be, you know, it's a whole area. There's, there's, there's no, there's the no way to know for
4: sure. Um, but... But it is taken seriously. We do our best. Uh, There are planetary protection protocols. We try to clean our spacecraft. We don't sterilize them 100%, uh, so we know we've brought some microbes to Mars. Well,
2: well, when you say we don't sterilize them 100%, I will ask the obvious. Why
4: not? Because... It's, it's very hard to... In order to sterilize a spacecraft, you would have to cook the whole thing to a point where you would destroy a lot of the scientific instruments. So you'd, we melt, kind of,
2: you'd melt the electronics. Melt the, so yeah. we
4: kind of play this game where we get them clean enough so that we know how many microbes are on there and we land them in places where we don't think those microbes would survive. It's a little bit of a game you have to play. We don't So we know there are some microbes on Mars that we've brought there, but we don't believe we've started... Uh, colonies of earth organisms on mars because
1: i I would love to beat everybody there and put a bunch of rabbits on mars (laughs) and then you go like oh my god there's so many rabbits (laughs)
5: what what are we looking for as far as martians we're looking for like plants or worms or fossilized it's kind of like think about going to the beach and looking at those cool you know fossilized shells Kind of like that. Like something like, like a muscle. Like a muscle, mm, like a no, seafood. No, harder and flatter
3: and 3.5 billion years old. So okay. you're looking
6: for what was there, not what is there.
5: Past
3: life. There's on Mars. nothing oh. there. What is there? Well, what is there, we're, we're finding out every day. We know right. how Mars lost its atmosphere. Our maven observer just helped us figure that out. And we know there's methane. Mars is breathing, kind of saying hi to us with methane coming out. think it might be active methane.
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> When you Active find methane, methane from what? Oh my gosh! We just the thing. lighting matches? Yeah,
4: we don't know. In fact, in <laughs> fact, the existence of the methane itself is somewhat controversial. Though it's looking better and better, there probably is methane, and of course. A long time ago, before we found the methane, that was one of the things that scientists said would be a biosignature on Mars. If you find methane, then there's gases that are weird gases that shouldn't be in the atmosphere. Just like on Earth, there's (laughs) oxygen in the atmosphere that comes from life. If you find methane on Mars, we used to say, then that'll be a sign of life. So now we've found methane on Mars, but we're not sure it's a sign of life because there's not much of it, and it behaves in weird ways. And there are some just chemical geological reactions that can make methane inside the Earth or inside a planet. But most of the methane... On in Earth's atmosphere does come from bugs, from Wait, life.
6: Just to clarify, we're talking about space farts, right? Yes, yes, okay. that's
3: yes. right, and burps. It could be propulsion. You know, see, methane would be great propulsion yeah. for us. That's why it's a very if we could
1: we could use the methane to get back to Earth. There you
3: go, gas station. You know, we got to we oh that first gosh. gas station the on Mars. First we gas need...
5: station, how cute! <laughs>
2: uh, is, <laughs> it, cute. is it going to have like a mini mart and stuff? I guess we'd we'll, <laughs> we'll have to set that up. But imagine this, everybody, you land. landed. rabbits. You land the right <laughs> spacecraft on Mars and you use the chemistry of the rocks and the atmosphere to make rocket fuel there you go. to fly back. I mean, that is an extraordinary idea and very cool. And we will talk about that coming up in the next segment. You've been watching, you've been listening to Star Talk Radio. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Star Talk Live. We're at the convention center in Washington, DC, and uh, I am joined by this fabulous panel, which includes our beloved Eugene Merman Hari <laughs> Kanaba. Uh, Joe Firestone, David Greenspoon, and uh, second in command at NASA, David Newman. So, (laughs) when we left, we were talking about life on Mars. We were talking about what we'd be looking for on Mars. How would we know whether or not we found something alive on Mars? What exactly are we exactly looking for?
4: Well, it's a puzzle, right? Because we don't know if there's any life beyond Earth. And by the way, what, what, is,
1: what is life?
4: Man? Yeah. Well, that's, like, that's, wow. that's, that's the puzzle. How do we define it when we, when we only have one example? You think there's all this biodiversity on Earth, but we know one thing we've learned for sure is that it's all related. So there's one example of life. How on do Earth. we
2: know it's all related?
4: Well, chemically, of course, it all uses DNA and proteins. And even better than that, by looking at the sequences of DNA and proteins, you can tell what's related to what. And You can make this tree of life, and you can we go all the way back, and we do not find any organisms that we're not obviously related to on a biochemical level.
2: Even my old boss, yeah. Yeah.
4: Even snails are your distant cousins. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and an escargot are just uh, you know a few generations removed from being the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we can't really define something that we only have one example of. It's not very scientific you want a bunch of examples of something to say what it all has in common. And yet we want to search for life elsewhere. So we have these sort of provisional definitions. We think we know what its signs will be. We think we know what it is. But in order to really know what it is, we have to find it and then be able to compare it. Uh, what would you speculate it would be?
3: Well, it just... What, it, would, what would it take? Present life and past life. Right now on Mars, we really think that it's past life. But we say, when you look for life, the search for life, follow the water. You know, that's kind of rule number one, follow yeah. the water. Now we have Why water on Mars. Why do you say Mars. follow the water? Well, uh, because David was saying, you know, we look at, we're kind of looking for carbon-based life. That's what we know. Kind of carbon-based life forms, that's, that's how life is on Earth. Now, there could be something we haven't thought of, but right now we're saying go for the water. We have water on Mars. Mars has a, a carbon dioxide atmosphere.
4: Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, when we're Plans talking about Mars, we're following we're gonna the water. We're going to make oxygen there. If we're talking about just life in the universe, looking at exoplanets and such as well, we tend to take a more general view of thinking, well, life at least we know is something that perturbs its environment chemically. Sorry,
5: what are, it's, uh,
4: you it's said exoplanets? Planets around other stars.
5: Oh, you know, oh how my many, we, you know, know how many
3: we did, have? Which
4: We're now we big. know. They're super cool. Now we know. We didn't know this 20 years ago. This is one of the revolutions of our time, is we now that we know that all the stars in the sky, almost all of them have planets, multiple planets. So when I was so. in
2: school, Joe... People speculated that there might be a planet around one in every hundred stars. Now it's generally agreed in sort of orders of magnitude factors of 10 that every star has at least 10 planets, about 10 planets. And then if you want to get in the argument about Pluto, Sedna, Eris, and these other fairly distant icy worlds, then you're talking about... Hundreds of planets. Thousands. Or, we just thousands. we just let
3: out. We just yeah. cate- we just anyway, we just categorized and let out 1,200 new exoplanets. But let me just say, so, just so a dog
4: we looking for him. life on those. We, it, it, it would be great if we could detect water, but even if we just see weird chemistry in the atmosphere, like so wait, so life Mars has
1: carbon dioxide atmosphere.
3: atmosphere? Uh-huh. Yeah,
4: and then we can turn that into oxygen. We're
3: going to do that on our Mars Twenty Twenty rover. Nice. Oh, rover. Can I have some split, of
1: that oxygen? Split, split, <laughs> you have to go. It won't there.
3: be enough for a person, but we're going to make oxygen h- on a planet h- for the first time on, ever.
2: Hang on, Hang on, just a minute, Dave. You said, well, you know, we're going to look for life that was once there on Mars. We were back there, you know, back in the old look. We there's methane.
0: Nothing. On Mars, people. I know. We have the it's,
2: Maven. It's at uh, Mars Atmospheric Volatile Emissions. Uh, what's the N? Uh, but it's, Mr. B- Volatile
5: Environmental.
2: Yeah,
1: I think it's Nancy. Yeah, we think it's
2: Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, and she's fabulous. Uh, she's
5: fabulous. Uh, but anyway,
2: if they're finding methane, there's got to be a source of it. I'll give all of you chemists, and I, I love you all out there, but there's some inorganic chemical process that produces methane. Right, But everywhere on Earth, we find water, we find living things. Even the tiniest dampness of nothing damp in, in uh, Death Valley, there are cyanobacteria that live right, the green, blue-green things that live under the rocks, it rains once every couple years and something's alive there, right? right? All right, so if we're finding methane on Mars with, uh, what is it, the tracegrass orbiter is out there, and Maven, and we're finding liquid water in these recurring slope lineae, right? And the geologists love, they love Seasonal, the yeah, exactly,
3: seasonal. So it's flows. a little
2: rivulet, a little uh, rill, a little drip of water every year. And lots of ice year. on the poles. Hari, I like it. You can't see it on the podcast, people, but he is inquisitive, man.
6: Oh, I'm He's just He's hanging kind of, on this. Like, how much water are we talking about right now?
3: Right now, just a small amount. Briny, salty water, you don't want to drink it yet. But the great thing is, we knew there's... Ice. Like there's ice to on the step poles, in? but now this is Al-
4: almost none on the surface. Yeah,
3: and this is seasonal. So when you know it's seasonal, uh, but you know it's seasonal. But seasons. look, every yeah.
2: Martian summer, there's a little it's waterfall. It's cool. It's fantastic. Okay, I'm with you. that's no, not I am, nothing. I am with you. Wait, are you, what? You know are you making?
5: That's I, true. You I am didn't. With you. That's not a thing you just lied about. That's no, a no, no, not course. about
2: that. Okay. No.
5: It's true. It's a Martian waterfall.
2: Well, or, or rivulet, Rivulets. Or, I like rivulets better. But Flowing, there's a lot of
4: water underground. Water. Yeah. We believe. We know actually. So we you know guys, I am
2: open-minded, Mars. of course. But you're telling me that we've got liquid water on Mars, and we have methane that we detect, albeit in strange ways, from billions of kilometers away with these extraordinary spacecraft. All right. And you are not optimistically optimistic I am, about finding I something still optimistic. alive? I am completely optimistic.
3: And I think it's going to be sooner than later.
4: I'm not. I, I, I don't think there's life on Mars today. By life do we mean which, something? And I think actually that's a good thing. I th- I'm optimistic that there's no life on Mars today because that makes it much less complicated for us to do the things we were talking about earlier and not be wiping okay, out the Okay, just a
2: minute, European immigrant man. Yes. <laughs> It sounds like you might be saying, well, I'm pretty sure there's nothing alive there, we're not gonna contaminate it, let's just show up. No,
4: because I I very much support our carefully investigating this question. I think that right now our ignorance vastly outweighs our knowledge. But I am a skeptic as far as the methane we've seen and the water we've seen indicating a biosphere. Why, Why are you skeptical of that? Because I think that on a planet like Earth, you look at if you were a Showing alien here <laughs> for instance this room if you were a, an alien looking at our solar system from afar there'd be this planet earth that has a flagrant biosignatures this oxygen is off flagrant. The chart. flagrant you
2: people flagrant. are flagrantly flagrant. signing your biomass
4: I, I don't think a planet like mars that has very subtle potential biosignatures will ever be alive because on a planet like earth the biosphere is coupled to the active biogeochemical For those of you cycles, watching the
2: podcast, I'm, and arms are I'm just waving my waves. arms. Because, because, because Earth has... no
4: angels in the sky. Earth here. has this active hydrological cycle with rainfall and evaporation. It has plate tectonics. The geology is alive. The chemistry of the interior is in communication with the atmosphere. He's
5: still waving his arms. I'm yeah. waving my arms.
4: It's gonna, and we on can Earth... has be, now become we can modern move. dance. <laughs> on,
1: on Earth, life... <laughs> But, but he's do you think out of his chair to get your arms Do you no think arms. there's like, a, like, like microbes in the water? And like, that's I, I what, guess I that there aren't what I think. Like what I am saying
4: is that on Earth, <laughs> life rides the cycles of an active geological right. planet. Mars, in that sense, is a pretty dead planet. I think, as David was saying, we will probably find signs of life in the past when Mars was a less dead planet. But if I had to bet, I would bet that, we, that Mars does not have life today. So speaking microbes, of betting. Like, speak
2: Speaking of betting, they won't take the bet now.
1: Uh,
4: I'll bet a dollar and we'll figure it out
1: in what, 2032? So i say yeah. I would go with 2033. Okay, 2033
3: yeah, yeah. it is. And we'll be there, we'll be so there. we so When do you think we'll
1: be on Mars? You're the most Well, we are qualified. on Mars
3: today with five vehicles in when, orbit and sorry, with surface. like a
1: group of kids playing soccer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> group of kids, kids playing Mars generation, the 2030s.
2: So let's back up to uh, the disco era. Uh, the My Vi-
5: favorite time.
2: Uh, yeah, good. You're in the right place. So the Viking landers had these uh, scoops. That This was in 1976, July 4th, coincidence, 200th anniversary of the United States. Viking 1 lands there, has a scoop uh, akin to uh, an ice cream shovel, and scrapes into the soil and stuff. Then it scra- drops some of that soil into some chemistry experiments that were. Uh, spacecraft style there you can't see them from here but the scoops dropped the dust in there and something happened right and people for a couple days for those of you who were not around in the disco era there were a few days or even weeks when people around the world like totally freaked because it seemed like something was bubbling on mars that might be alive right now can you comment on that thing what happened there
4: this gets back to this vexing question of how do we look for life when we really don't know anything about life elsewhere. And the Viking biological experiments... Were, were a wonderful set of investigations, but it, it, in hindsight, they were maybe a little bit naive in that what we were really... What did they really do, really? They were looking for life on Mars. that was very much like life on Earth. Essentially, they scooped up stuff, like you said, and they sprinkled it with what they called chicken soup, which so was So right now, it's like and rock, nutrients. scissors,
2: papers. His fist has gone into his hand.
4: Yes. Wait. They sprinkled up stuff. They put it in this experimental apparatus. And basically, they sprinkled it with water and what the scientists nicknamed chicken soup, which was a set of nutrients which earth organisms would have loved, simple organic compounds. And they looked to see if anything happened. And did it give off gases... Where the carbon,
2: which it would if it were, if you put a scoop of earth yeah. soil, yeah,
4: and they even labeled the carbon with radioactive uh, 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 carbon, heavy isotop- isotopically heavy carbon, so you can see if the carbon in the chicken soup, you can
2: see if you have the right instrument.
4: Yeah, you can. With that instrument, you could tell that the carbon in the chicken soup was the same carbon that came out. It was as if this stuff was breathing out carbon dioxide. So they said, aha, there's something in there that's eating chicken soup and breathing out carbon dioxide. It's alive. But then it didn't really behave like living organisms. There was a f- big fizz of this carbon dioxide, and then it went, psh, it tailed off as if so it was more just, of a chemical reaction. For those reaction. of you
2: listening, it, his hand went way up like yes. he was going to uh, do a hook, <laughs> a hook shot. And then uh, it came down like he was going to... Um, like he was kind of An worked. exponential like
4: decline. Exponential I feel like would decline. I it would help the
5: listeners if you just picture one of those things outside car washes. Yeah. You know, like every time. I feel like that's a great visual. Oh, the
2: uh, the inflatable
4: guy yeah, that, the oh, that that walks Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. There you go. It it first looked like it was behaving like life. It breathed all this stuff out, and then it looked more like. Um, like Pop Rocks or something where, right. where something fizzes or, or Mentos and Pepsi, where something fizzes all of a sudden and then just dies off. If it was organisms, it would sort of perpetuate longer. So it ultimately had a shape over time where it acted like some chemical in there was really excited to react with the right. stuff we gave we it. it wasn't Pop
1: Rocks to Mars and yeah.
4: Pop Rocks were like, we're Pop Rocks. Exactly. <laughs> but they didn't find life. So it fizzed, but it yep. didn't really metabolize, yep. unfortunately.
2: That, that, the yeah. way we would understand it. It's now, one should
4: say there are still some holdouts. There's this guy named Gil Levin who was one of the original investigators on this. He's still alive and he's a smart guy. And he thinks that they found, Mar- they found life on Mars with this experiment. And he refuses to be convinced otherwise. And he's a smart guy. And there's still a little controversy <laughs> about this is an indication of the fact that we don't completely know what we're doing when we're looking for life which is kind of what's exciting about this we're on the edge of our knowledge and we're trying to investigate something that we can't completely grasp so Mars is crazy cold yeah Venus is crazy
2: hot
5: we're the classic
2: Goldilocks. We exactly—that's the word we use. We are the Goldilocks planet. You have—you've—you've have, uh, have convergence of a great scientific mind right here.
1: Uh, Way to go! The, we got the
5: porridge that's the right temperature we, to eat. It,
1: that's what we got. Earth is the right temperature yes. to eat. Gobble gobble. Ah, it is. No, yep. it really is. Beautiful planet. Go, don't tell Galactus. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but isn't there? Okay, listen. I'm just. My mind is sort this of blown from this, this exos... Planets. Exos, exos so planets, exoplanets. Yeah. It it does seem like exo gossip girl. Okay, but listen, so exoplanets, there must be around those stars a planet that's equidistant from Earth. What's happening? I
2: know, so that's this. So we have an instrument, and the, the James Webb Space Telescope's coming up. Kepler's out there now. But this telescope is going to look uh, with such sensitivity, how sensitive will it be? that people believe they'll be able to look through the atmosphere of a planet backlit by its star. Are you digging me? Sunlight from a star is gonna go through this planet's atmosphere, and this telescope out in space will be able to detect what gases are in that atmosphere. And what everybody's all hot for is water vapor and methane, the natural gas, the stuff in the blue flame of your stove. And oxygen. And oxygen, this would be like, so, cool. And so, this my claim, everybody, is these discoveries, uh, if we were able to discover life on Mars, on Europa, the moon of Jupiter, with twice as much seawater as the Earth, at as least.
1: Twice as much seawater as what? As the Earth. All of Earth. Oh, really? Europa has. And maybe so even an a little ocean more world. than twice as
3: much. Great place to go look for. Oh, wow,
1: yeah. does Kevin Costner know? <laughs> <laughs> He'd love it. Uh-huh.
4: Don't tell him.
2: Uh, so... So anyway, what we want to do, it, my claim is if we were to find life, if we were to find life on one of these places, it would change this world. So let's say we were going to go do this. David, uh, at uh, Dr. Funky Spoon. Man. Sir. Uh, what is your dream scenario? Finding life on Mars. What's the, how would you go about doing it?
4: Well, I think that, we're going about it the right way. I would love to uh, accelerate. If, if my dream scenario would be, that, you know, we double or triple the NASA budget for exploration and could do more. I think we know what to do. Um, thank you. <laughs>
5: By
2: the way, let more me just sandwiches. say... More
5: sandwiches. Who wants more sandwiches? Yes. For instance,
2: let me let me just say, as CEO of the Planetary Society, I spend a lot of time on this stuff, and we've gotten the planetary science budget now up to about $1.7 billion which I know doesn't sound like much. (coughs) (coughs) But everybody, the NASA budget is about 0.4% of the federal budget.
1: Yes, 0.4, right. right.
2: How do we get it to
1: say 2%? Well,
2: so in the Apollo days, it was 10 times that. It was 4% of the federal budget. And so the planetary science line item within the NASA budget is less than 10% of the NASA budget, 9 and plus percent. We do a lot, and so these were the extraordinary uh, discoveries are made. So your dream scenario yeah. Yeah. starts with getting more money.
4: Yeah. So and if then where my, do we go from my there? My dream scenario for Mars, in specifically, is as I said, I think we're going to confirm that there's no life on Mars today. Um, But I want to be really sure before we go into other things there. So we got to check out this methane, figure out where it's coming from. If it's not life, it's telling us something really interesting about the geochemistry of Mars that we need to know. But my dream scenario for Mars is, is, as Deva mentioned, the possibility of finding fossils. There should have been life on early Mars, given what we know. We'll either find fossil signs of life on mars or if we study mars really carefully and understand those early environments and find that there was no life ever on mars that is also a really exciting thing to find it tells us something about earth that there's something special we don't understand everything we
2: learn about stuff in outer space informs uh what we know about the earth and i claim that the more we know about our solar system and other solar systems with other stars and exoplanets. Exoplanets. Joe, the more it informs uh, ourselves and uh, and where we all came from. This is the two deep questions. Are we alone in the universe? Just here's the big question though. What would we do with life if we found it? And we're going to talk about that when Star Talk Live comes back right after this. <laughs>
0: We'd like to give a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons, Justin Adamson and Forrest Shepard. Thank you guys for your support, because without you, it'd be very difficult to do what we do. And if anyone else would like their very own Patreon shout-out, make sure that you go to patreon.com slash startalkradio and support us.
2: Welcome back to Star Talk Live here in Washington, D.C. I'm, uh, I'm here on the fabulous panel with Joe Firestone, Dr. Joe. David Brisbane, Dr. David Newman, Dude. Hari Kunambalu, and uh, our beloved, uh, uh, beloved Eugene Merman. So uh, we're having nothing but fun here on Star Talk this week. We're talking about life on other worlds, we're talking about space science superheroes. And this segued into this search for life, and now we're talking about how we exactly would actually exactly go looking for life. We have some assets there on Mars right now, right? We have the Curiosity rover. We have a uh, lot of assets in orbit around Mars. And the idea, let me just, let me just uh, start by going back to begin, to start with, why are we all so hot to look for life on Mars? Why not life on Mercury or Venus?
3: Close by, Mars is the best place to look for life. And then we get further out into the solar system, and then we go to these ocean worlds, which even look, you know, better. But again, uh, Earth and Mars really are sister planets. From
2: four And it looks like, like Mars was once
3: and
4: bl- wet. It's lined. the most Earth-like environment on the surface of another planet that we know of. And in we have a lot of system. evidence that in the past it was much more Earth-like. So. Uh, Do we have a sense of why it's uh, so sad there now?
2: Yes. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't, it's not big, as big as the Earth, so it cooled off faster. So it does not have the churning iron in the middle that we have on Earth, Uh creating a magnetic field, which makes the solar wind particles uh, go downhill when they get to the North and South Pole. But on Mars, apparently, uh, these same particles scrape the atmosphere off scraped it into space.
3: So it lost its atmosphere. It ablated. We can Mars. see it. It's still going on today. Our MAVEN spacecraft is in orbit.
5: Uh-huh.
3: Check out, you know, you the can the we can see the ions ablating. It's only a 1% atmosphere. Mars has a 1% compared to Earth. 100% here has 1% in its carbon dioxide. Yeah. So we, we see its, it. it's not protected by
4: that I magnetic water. shield. Is there We're any still way trying to put, put an out atmosphere out back
1: on?
2: So hang on. So hang on. How are we going to get there, you guys? We, we just had a human orbiting mars workshop uh, the planetary society pitched a humans orbiting mars uh architecture as it's called and along with all the many things uh nasa was going to do was develop these solar electric propulsion spacecraft and how does that work and the solar electric was going to go out to an asteroid asteroid redirect retrieval mission right how does solar electric propulsion work and how is it part of going to Mars? Right, so uh,
3: when we go to deep space, we get back Earth, Moon, cislunar, right? That's the next step, that's phase two. First on space station, low Earth orbit. This 2020s will be on our space launch system, that's our heavy lift launch. Space
2: launch system is a massive word for big rocket.
3: Big rocket, big rocket. We haven't had one like this for 40 years. Move over Saturn V. It's more
5: powerful.
2: More powerful than a Saturn
5: V. (laughs) these rockets, these are made of your standard metals? Your tins? Your, your... That's a great question, Joe.
3: Yeah, using, using, using using additive manufacturing, though, to make it, it's much more efficient. So
5: we're using, you know, high tech, but... Big rockets, but we're basically using Home Depot stuff. You know, we're using the screws and the, the
2: yes, stuff. yeah, nice stuff. Though.
1: Yeah, some nice, titanium. nice, high end, yeah. high
5: end. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah,
1: yeah, you Home gotta Depot. go that Imagine aisle the fanciest way at the end. Home Depot you can and double it. <laughs>
3: right, <laughs> and then we get out to systems. So now we're in deep space. Okay, we're in deep space. Not quite yet to Mars, yeah. That's phase three, but in phase two, we're into deep space, and we have to demonstrate some technologies. Because you don't just get to Mars in one plane. No, but here, let me so just tie this in. space, electric, propulsion. You want to know? In in space, propulsion. But here's the thing. Electric.
2: As Joe just said, Home Depot-style rockets, chemical rockets. Is what you're, you know what I mean, Joe? You got a liquid oxygen, you got some other fuel, you mix them with a fuse, and they burn like crazy, and they make their cool noise, and then they go into space. The shh. Sh- but it's usually... Really, oh, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and,
1: yeah. Then, and then what happens after that? Then you're okay.
2: in space, and the... There's some reason you don't want to use chemical rockets anymore, and that is?
3: Well, we need, we, we need breakthrough technologies as so well. We need new technologies. So, what we're investing in now, now we're getting to the moon, right? So, your deep space our top technologies we're investing in today.
2: But is isn't it that in you just space can't, propulsion? You, it's hard to carry all that It's much hard fuel, to carry right?
3: cargo and fuel. So, it's so what get is gravity well. Prop- in space propulsion. Though. So, there's different ones. But so, we're talking about solar electric propulsion. That can you know, move, move big cargo, <laughs> lots of mass. Heavy mass goes slowly, but that's all right. We'll get there. So it moves a lot of cargo, you know? You're going and on a we're camping slowly, trip.
2: We're rockets in space. Yeah, we're, 17, th-
3: yeah we're more than 17,500 you know, miles per hour, but still slow for space, you know, <laughs> slow, for, oh, wait, slow for so space fast speed. Is
1: fast for space for us?
3: Well, you know, light, light speed is fast, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, Sorry, speed, but meaning... Joe, oh, Joe. When Joe, you say slow, you mean as fast as we can bake. No, not yeah. like like
3: slower let's say you know a little bit you know a little so slower because you want to get your people there as quickly as possible so big rocket let's go fast about 8 months you know that's 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 punch fast it. for us punch, punch it. it 8 month trip because we got to get boots on mars we get in orbit but this in space propulsion solar electric that's a nice candidate constant acceleration so just keep going all the way you know let's carry carry your groceries you know you know carry the stuff you need with us we we always so bring a lot of stuff
1: just, what does we, it arrive later th- after the people? Well, we can be
3: popping them off, right? So yeah, if we gotta, get so this what capability. We do,
2: what we want to do is have stuff in place before humans show up. You want to land some tents.
3: And fuel, fuel depots we said, habitats. So that's what we're investing but I, in. I just
2: want to talk for a second about the rocket equation. Who doesn't?
5: Oh, I love the rocket
3: equation.
2: Yeah, question. so the, the big thing that makes a rocket go, and you've seen this, Joe, is the stuff coming out the back is going really fast.
5: The classic, right? The classic orange in the child's drawing.
2: Yes.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. After burners, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The orange.
2: So it's going really fast out the back, but uh, it takes, you need a lot of fuel, and you reach a point where you can't get the rocket going too much faster because you can't get the exhaust going that much faster. Yeah. Right? That's
3: called specific impulse. So yeah. that's what we call it in the yeah. rocket equation.
2: So in solar electric propulsion, we're going to take a big tank of xenon, is that right? For you know, example. Yeah, so anyway, you get a, uh, a tank of this stuff liquefied, and you, you get it by getting the atmosphere uh, getting a, a big tank of air on Earth cold, and the xenon separates out in a layer like a parfait, and then they you know, extract it, put it in a tank, and then they <laughs> put it on this rocket.
5: Sounds delicious. Yes. Oh, yeah,
2: it's good. It's nothing <laughs> good Well, you breathe it all the time in tiny amounts. And look, I've been doing it my whole life and I'm fine. No, so <laughs> then you have solar panels. Is this right, David? Yes. And oh, so they far, make so electricity. Good.
3: They need electricity. Then we power. have a window
2: screen looking thing and it electrically attracts the xenon from its little tank and shoots it out the back at it. super Iron fast propulsion. speeds, right? Yep. And that's really an ion drive. That's really drive, ion like propulsion. Science uh-huh. fiction. But anyway, the solar electric propulsion idea is going to be used to go to Mars, right? Now what Absolutely. are we going to do with we're that? Absolutely. We're counting
3: on it. Solar electric propulsion, we're counting on that. Let me tell you a few other ones we're investing in right now. Deep space habitats. Incredible. You know, public, private, again. Industry's working with us. Deep space habs. We're so sending people, we got to figure on the deep out space out. Hab. Life support systems. You've got to figure out to get... You know, we're going way beyond low-Earth orbit. So we need deep space habs... BEAM, Bigelow's BEAM, just just inflated, expanded this week beam on Space Station. BEAM is, is an acronym. Yeah, for the Bigelow Expandable Module on so, so Space Station. So it's a Station. balloon. A like nice one. Expandable Habitat.
2: It's a big inflatable thing attached to the International Space You got me doing it with the hands. But
3: there. not too big. I mean, Space Station is big, a football field size, right? These are smaller halves. We need to test them out. Now... Number one, radiation. What about radiation
2: protection? What about radiation? I was, years it's ago, serious. people said, if you tried to go from the Earth to Mars, the radiation
4: would kill you. But
2: well, now people
4: have rethought it that, is, right? It is a, uh, is a problem. The radiation is one of the serious physical problems with sending people to Mars. And we know a lot more about this now because of the uh, Mars Science Laboratory, which is our uh, Curiosity rover, which is on Mars now doing wonderful things. But on the trip to Mars this instrument called RAD, the Radiation Assessment Detector. Radiation
2: Assessment Detector.
4: Yeah, and I'm actually a co-investigator on that instrument, so it's near and dear to my heart. I'm a co-I on the RAD team. And one of the things that was cool we were able to do with RAD, it was designed to measure the level of high-energy radiation on the surface of Mars, on the rover, which it's doing in a wonderful way, but we realized that we could also tur- turn it on before we got to Mars. It's the one instrument on the rover that we turned on while it was still in the spacecraft on the trip to Mars because it allowed us to measure the amount of radiation in interplanetary space and basically simulate what a human would experience in terms of radiation on the way to Mars. And so it's the first time we ever did that, and now we really know much more than we did before so this mission. Will it kill you or so- not? It will not kill you, but it will put you at greater risk of getting cancer, which could ultimately kill you. But it's not like, it's not like just going to Mars is going to fry you and you'll be dead when you get there. But it, is, it will, by a few percentage... Points.
1: You'll die when you
4: get back to Earth. <laughs> well, no, <not> <laughs> well You'll be, it's, to it's equivalent to you know you you know you go to the doctor and you get like a, a, a like a CAT scan. Uh, yeah. Um, so and that, that you know if It'd you be do like that, getting an eight month CAT scan. <laughs> if you do that a lot, you're slightly increasing your chances. So you don't yeah. want to do that all the time. Chances of getting cancer. So your life yeah so, yeah for it's radiation. It's as if you did that once a week.
3: We look at total life dose, total life radiation dose, and we're going to protect the astronauts. That's what we're mapping. We're taking this data. Now we're looking at the Mars radiation environment, and then it's our job. How can we protect the people? How can we protect the spacecraft? Don't want to fry your instruments either. Plus, so we protect the people, and we have some interesting ways to do the, that. The kind then,
2: of people that want to be astronauts... If you say, "Well, you got an extra one percent chance of getting,"
1: ca- I'm in. They, I'm going, yeah, man. They yeah. Say yes. But you still want to protect them. Absolutely. So, what are some yeah. of the ways that oh, we like?
5: The, like. Is it similar to, like, when you go to the dentist and they take pictures of your mouth, they put the thing over yes. your... there you go. That's exactly. the exactly. shielding. Exactly. So high shielding. density is very
3: good for shielding, especially for, you know, uh, galactic cosmic radiation that we're going
1: to see that on Mars. Created the Fantastic so, Four, for instance. Right.
3: But <laughs> what we're, right. in the, what we're in this... There you go. Superheroes. Um, so, but in the craft, um, water, because we like water to drink. It's pretty high density. Uh, yes, i so a, a big pretty, fan. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good radiation shield. So if, there's if, interesting if, concepts in the vehicle, high if, density materials. We're going to take water anyhow. It'd be nice to kind of live in the water walls. That'll really help the and astronauts in the does it harm the help. water
1: for it to be radiated for you to no, drink it? No, the water
3: doesn't care at all. It water? Cool?
1: No, Meaning the water doesn't care, but when you drink it, it doesn't
4: matter to you. To no, Jay. no, no. You're okay. It's, That's you a walk, great if question. If, any, if anything, if there were any little, little bugs in the water that you didn't want there to be, it would, you know, it would make it everything. nice and clean. Yeah. So That's you
2: would have a jacket, you'd have a, jacket. a ball, a sphere, a shell of water around com- your spacecraft. Like a right? water yeah.
1: bed. A water bed. Like and a that water is bed like, to space. It's a good concept. Great
5: MTV cribs.
3: When we get to Mars, you know, don't want to put it in the suit because you want to be mobile, lightweight, but, uh, you know, lava tubes and there's a lot of, you know, volcanoes, so, so where, are gonna where are we going to hide, where are we going to live? Yeah. yeah, underground, caves, things like that. These are all actually amazing shields. So if, hang so on. What,
6: is there space underwear? Has that been discussed? Like, what are the sexual side effects of uh, <laughs> radiation? and the co- I'm just getting to the question. I'm sure you were all considering from the get-go, like, what happens... You know, like, is there extra protection in those areas? How so is junk. that
5: Kelly's long-term, long-distance relationship? I'm sure
6: he asked
4: that question. Yes. There's
6: no way he wasn't asking that question.
4: I think, I think if you're going to have children... Do it before you go to Mars? Or at least put some in the freezer. You know what I'm
3: saying? You know what makes sense?
2: <laughs> No, yeah. that's a good idea.
6: Have one before and then have one after and see if the second one's a mutant. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: That's we the scientific Mars approach. Baby. I
2: think here at AwesomeCon, uh, let me rephrase that, a uh, friendly amendment, if the second one has superpowers. Because oh, right, that's you what go. you get. You know, there if you're, you're a superhero, a lot of times you were irradiated. Maybe you were bitten by a radioactive spider. I don't so have to tell you. Maybe what's been you.
1: irradiated is just your father's ding-dong. <laughs> I like how you used the scientific term for penis I'm a gentleman
6: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so uh, just as far as I know ding dong is not an acronym it's a uh,
4: no it's just yeah. the
1: thing it is <laughs>
4: <laughs> so when, you know when you say ding dong I'm looking over at the uh, interpreter here and just wondering what yeah. but anyways <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah or, or if you're a lady you're doodle
4: <laughs> <laughs> that, that was
1: so
2: worth it that oh, good that was good. She explained. Uh, where were so, we? Where were we? We I were on we a were couple going to places. Mars. We're on our way to Mars. We're on our way to Mars. Now, you mentioned the radiation uh, detection instrument. What other instruments would you take? Why would you take them? And then, fundamentally, everybody, everybody, would you go to Mars if you had a chance to go to Mars? What instruments
4: would you take? If I was going to Mars. Uh, yeah.
2: Or what are you going to send? What are you going to do?
4: I want to. The thing that I most want to do if I were going to go to Mars is look for fossils. Fossil so,
2: life. These would be bacteria in I a would mat. Take,
4: I would take rock hammers and drills and a microscope, microscope. A scanning electronic microscope if I can get away with making one small enough. and To carry there. Because uh, right now, there.
2: scanning electron microscopes are big. Uh,
4: yeah, four but, they're, or five,
2: uh, but, desks, but one thing that NASA's NASA is
4: really good at is making things small when Shrinking. we need to and put a little technology development into it. I would want, on my Mars laboratory with my astronauts there, I would want to be able to go out and drill and f- find samples drill, in the most promising samples, sites. And I want to look for um, the isotopes. So I'd want a, a really good um, mass spectrometer to look for isotopic signs of life, for, for signs that life had altered the chemicals in the past. And I would really want to look actually for physical fossils in the right kinds of so, deposits.
2: Let me say, I, uh, my father was a rock hound like the rocks. Every rock tells a story. My uncle was a geologist. And the way you're describing this to me, Dave, David, is um, geology tools. Yes. But what non-geologic instruments would you take?
3: Oh, I thought so... Well, first, we're taking the people. That's what I'm about. We're taking the people and our rovers and machines because that's how we work better. We will explore tens, a hundred times more of Mars if we get there and we're mobile and we're working in teams, people.
2: I've heard this said oh, that uh, what our best rovers do in a week, a human would do in less than five minutes, maybe even less than a minute. So it's an order of yeah.
3: magnitude. We're much more you know, mobile and quicker, so we're, we're all in this together. And uh, what are our their instruments? Our robots
2: and our people.
3: Our robots and people. To, yeah, it's well, just a team What instruments? What are their instruments? Well, actually, back to life support systems and bioregeneratives. I actually would uh, make sure I could uh, make oxygen, bring it. In, yeah, you, make you start on that. And water, you know, <laughs> things like that. There's not enough there for us yet, so I'm kind of worried about staying alive. So I'd like some water, like some oxygen to well, breathe. I will say you got
4: that problem Gro- solved. But grow but some Bill, plants, you know, it's it's funny the way you phrase the question: non-geological instruments, because The word geological has geo, which means Earth. So any of these instruments on Mars... Or, or let me rephrase are it. ...areological, right? Uh, which Aries is Mars. and Anyways. Okay. Um, I was going to say so, that as
5: well. Okay.
4: So, <laughs> so if we want to understand the ancient story of Mars, then we're going to apply a lot of the same tools we use to understand the ancient rocks and the ancient story of Earth. So, so we look at ancient sediments because they're what capture the atmosphere too, the bubbles, the okay, bubbles of okay, air. Okay, hang on
2: a second. The Viking missions had some chemistry thing that everybody got excited about, right? Uh, because that was it, wrong,
1: though, right?
2: Well, one guy says maybe not so wrong. Okay, so <laughs> that guy. was a but that was a biology experiment. Yep. That was uh, the spiritual equivalent of a of a petri dish. Sure, right. So what is the spiritual equivalent of it? Let's say uh, Mark Watney has it all figured out. He can breathe and uh, grow potatoes and whatever he's going to do to take care of himself. How is he going to find or she going to find evidence of life on Mars? What instruments do we need?
3: Okay, we'll do the instruments. But let me tell you, I want to um, say, you know, who are the people? Because you asked about, is it the astrobiologist? I, I hope not. I hope it's not a single discipline of anyone because we need, you know, a whole new education. So this is, uh, you know, point you need... Know a little astrobiology, right? You want to know your geology? Mm, you know, I'm thinking an MD might be, you know, a little medical knowledge. So we really need cross-disciplinary trained folks. So I okay. hope it's not just an astrobiologist. But what you just you described is As
4: astrobiology because mm-hmm. astrobiology is... A sort of polydiscipline if you go to an astrobiology meeting there's people talking about geology people talking about astronomy chemistry but, glaciology but philosophy I, right. so, but not
1: botany so you do need a few different people well a few different that people too. but i'm all
3: about so, steamed i'm all I mean, about i, I, steam. We I, need I agree with stem what you're fields, saying obviously. but the artists have to be there the designers we're, we're all in we need everyone yeah. also yeah. psychics
5: yes
3: psychics Comedians, you're I mean, going to need some laughs. We, we are going to, this is a cycle, you know, social. Yes. This is a tough trip.
4: But if so we, we really think people- we're looking for extant life, then we want to bring, you know, petri dishes, and we want to try to culture stuff. That's what now, I'm saying. what are you going to use for your agar and your petri dish? You don't know what Martian bugs like, so you've got to get very clever there. And that's why I'm, I'm drawn more towards microscopes and things where you don't necessarily assume too much about what, that stuff is doing chemically, you just want to see if you figure if there's a bug, you're going to recognize it.
2: The geologists all want to bring back samples. They're crazy for it. if you take a geology course, you get a rock hammer, you go to the rocks and you knock them open and you bring them back to your dorm room and your friends think (laughs) you're having issues. And uh, uh, they want to bring back a sample. It'd be three steps, 2020 rover drills in the soil, picks them up, Mm -hmm. 2022 uh, flies them up into Martian orbit, then 2024 or five uh, brings them back to the International Space Station, and we open them up and take a meeting, right? Take a meeting. But is there any concern that we're going to bring back the Martian microbes of death? There's what are you going to so do much. about that?
4: There's a slight concern, but I would oh, say very, very slight. Concern. Very slight. slight. Um, is it know, worth
2: the risk,
4: Mr. Bond? Yes, because yeah. here's the yes. thing. You can't explore with zero risk. If we wanted to be perfectly safe, we would not never bring back a rock from Mars. If you wanted to be perfectly safe, you would never leave the house in the morning, right? So uh, anything interesting involves a certain amount of risk. But uh, we're like not going to... Like befriending
5: f- scorpions. Yeah. yeah,
4: exactly. There yeah. could be I nasty like things, but but... This is why we're doing the precursor missions, and this is also why we have protocols. If we do bring back a sample of Mars, there are requirements to keep it very carefully isolated. And like Area 51. even There's like Area 52, man. You haven't even heard of it. (laughs) It's it's really secure. (laughs) Uh, So you guys,
2: I just want to thank you all. This has really been a cool discussion. Everybody had these terrific insights asking these fundamental questions about the nature of life on another world. How would we find it? What would it be like? How would it affect us? How are we going to get there? Uh, even how are we going to pay for it? We talked about all of this. This has been like the greatest Star Talk Live ever. Yes. Give everybody, everybody a hand. This has been a great panel. Hand. Joe, David, Deva, Hari, and Eugene. I've been Bill Nye, your host. This has been Star Talk Live. Thank you all Thank so you. much. Thank you.